is week 11. We are one week closer to Cat Grizz. And bad news for Grizz fans, it appears that Montana State has turned the corner and is one of the best college football teams of all time. That game against Southern Utah, just wow is all I can say. Bear Tycoon's with me. He saw it. What, what was your instant reaction? Instant reaction uh, from the first half. Wow, this is a great team. Cats dominated the first half, 42 and nothing. Congratulations. Went one-on-one for the day, though. They lost the second half to Southern Utah, 7-0. I think that averages out to a tie. Um, but, you know, take a win where you can. The Cats won the won the first half. Half a win for the for the weekend, and that's nothing uh, nothing to be sad about. Exactly. So, honest. Obviously, I, I'm joking about that. It was Southern Utah. And it was basically an NAI, NAIA team coming to Bozeman this weekend. We'll get to that game in a little bit, but had to start it out by just just uh, overreacting a little bit, like every single Grizz fan on Twitter thought Cats fans would. But uh, we're we're much smarter fan base than that, and I don't think uh, that win is going to go to our heads. But we will get to that here in a little bit. It feels Thank you good. To Lady the bird. Winning feels oh. good. Winning does feel good. It doesn't matter. That's the biggest two. part. That's Nope, it's a W in the Big Sky Conference, right? Yep, absolutely. A W is so, a W, and it's an FCSW at that. At that. And we want to say thank you to Lenny Lou and the Bird Dogs for playing us in, as they always do, catch them on tour all around Montana and the surrounding states this fall and winter. I believe they're going to be in Bozeman. Cacker's weekend, oh, I may be wrong about that. Uh, but I think I'm right Start about talking. That. I'm going to look that up and confirm so, here momentarily. Yeah, because if Lady Lou and the Bird Dogs are playing in Bozeman, you have to go to that because you know that we will be there. I want to say it's the Friday before Cat Grizz, but my November dates may be just way off because I think Thanksgiving comes early this year. Or maybe it's late this year. I think Thanksgiving's late this year. Um, Fairly certain it is. Well, they don't have they don't have it on their schedule on their website, oh, but maybe really? it's maybe the website just hasn't hasn't updated. I mean, who updates websites anymore? Great question. We are asking ourselves it's that question. It's all about social media. All the time. It's all about, yeah. Like, what? Who goes to a website? So I tried to get into my Facebook to see if Lady and the Bird Dogs are playing in Bozeman, and now um, I entered an old password somehow. So I have no idea what my Facebook password is. So we're not going to be able to check it there. Yeah, things are going going off. Starting the show start. off real smooth. I tried another password. That's another old password, so that's confusing me. Yep, this is as exciting, so we're just going as, to the, assume... as, exciting as the Bobcats passing game. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So we're just going to assume that they're going to be around Bozeman uh, and Montana at that time, so we'll go check them out and thank them for, for letting us steal their music to play us in every week. So, first off, I think uh, I think we wanted to just get right into week, week number 10, the week that has just gotten over we are recording this on monday a little earlier in the week because we were so excited to talk to everybody about week 10 which game did you want to start with which one did you see on pluto or try to watch on pluto <laughs> that just kind of, kind of caught your eye uh well all the games on pluto were a colossal disappointment um in terms of As the usual. product not surprising um let's start let's start with the bobcats I feel like you're. Oh, you want to start? Yeah, there. you're on a bit of a high. I feel like you're good. Let's let's get it out there. Run with these good feelings. Okay. Well, it was great to see the defense flying around in that first half. Troy Anderson had a pick. He looked looked spry. The injury. It, there didn't seem to be an injury bug there with Troy this weekend. Uh, it looked like he was having fun playing defense. The the Cats had some swagger back, and it was nice to see. 
Now, granted, this was against a two and eight Thunderbirds team, one and five in conference. The quarterback did not look like a quarterback; looked more like a punter-ish kind of body style. Mm-hmm. Yep, not a good. If sign. we're gonna compare, not a good sign for for C Helbig. It's a weird name too. <laughs> yeah, Helbig. He wasn't very big. Chris Helbig, I guessed it right. Uh, so you know, it was fun to watch in that first half, just because it kind of reminded me of those Norfolk State. Um, you know, those type of games yep. where the cats could do anything they wanted to, you knew the other team, you knew they were going to lose this lead just over out. Just the, the Thunderbirds were overmatched in Bozeman this weekend. And it was fun to see the second half was pretty disappointing. You think that they might put up, you know, like 84 points, go 42 and 42 in each half, but did not happen. They scored zero points in the second half. And actually that gave me a little more concern uh, than then uh, maybe it overshadowed the first half just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the loss in the second half, so splitting on the day, is a big deal. But I do think, you know, from a coaching perspective, when you're up 42-0, to zero, uh, you know, you probably want to – I think there's two strategies, and, and you can do both, I suppose. But one is to play a little more conservatively, um, so you're not showing anything on tape going forward, right? Anything new coming out. But also, it gives you – the opportunity to kind of test some things out um, in terms of like who's playing, like, you know, who's playing different, uh, different uh, uh, combinations of players out there. Uh, as you can tell by this thorough analysis, I was following this game on GameCast and not watching it, but because it was on root sports, was on... which the production was fantastic. That's great. As it always is on route. Yep. Um, it sucks that they had to save the Montana state route game for a Southern Utah team. Yeah. Super strange. Instead of, you know, like Sac state at home or, you know, even NAU at home. Yeah. Southern Utah somehow caught roots eye in week 11. And they were like, we have to do this game. Does root, I would assume does root have to play every team one time. That's a good question. I don't know that. The only other thing that I could think of is that, with the slate of games last week, with the Grizz being on the road, uh, Eastern Washington was at Northern Arizona, I think. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, I think that's right. No, Northern Arizona was actually at Eastern Washington, so I lied about that. Oof. Oof, yeah. So my theory goes out the window, but I was thinking if U of M, Montana State, EWU, if one of those teams is at home, they were probably going to go to that stadium. In this case... They went to Montana State because EWU Stadium's a joke, and this the turf is obviously horrible. So, uh, with the Grizz in Portland, they weren't going to make that the root game because that's on a high school field. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's right. I'm no idea why Root Sports went to Bozeman. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule for this year. They don't. They have most teams, but not all teams. Portland State's not on here. Um, that might be it. I mean, they had Northern Colorado play Idaho oh, poor State Portland play. State. Yeah. Uh, but that might just be a facility thing. We can talk on that in the in the Grizz segment. But like the idea that Pluto finally gets a Grizz game, and Portland State's team messes it up so bad that it it, it was just a black screen for huge chunks of the game is it just perfectly captures how stupid this arrangement is. For sure. So the Root Sports arrangement is great when you can get Root Sports in your geographic area. Um, so it was fun to see. It was a clear picture of a 42-point first half for the Cats. Uh, so that was fun to see. It was also fun to see some guys getting some PT that that you know normally hadn't been out there. Uh, 
you know, receiving Jaden Smith for the Cats, uh, got his first career touchdown pass. Derek Snell caught a touchdown pass. There's these guys whose numbers I had to kind of look at the roster real quick to make sure I knew who they were. Um, so it's kind of fun to see some of those guys get some playing time and, and show their stuff. The Cats ran some really cool plays in that first half. Uh, I kind of left me wondering why you would be doing that against Southern Utah, but there, there was some pretty nice plays. Kevin Cassis got another touchdown pass to the wide receiver. So it was fun. It was, a, it was an entertaining first half as a Cats fan. You didn't take a ton of stock in it because obviously you knew who Southern Utah was coming in. Uh, you didn't want it to be one of those games where you know you went into halftime maybe 21-7, 21-0. Um, I'm glad that they put the pedal down in that first half to get to 42 to nothing. I would have liked to see a few points in the second half, just, I mean, based on who you were playing, but uh, a fun game to watch, I guess, all the way around. I didn't watch much of the second half. We got that first half in and decided there's probably better things to do with our Saturday than, than watch Southern Utah uh, embarrass themselves in Bozeman. Uh, so fun to see. Casey Bauman did get back in for the Cats. He went one for four for seven yards. Balling so out. Picked up, kind of picked up where he left off. Uh, Rovig still, I, I have never seen a quarterback telegraph his passes and take longer to throw the ball than Tucker Rovick. Montana State will have these little dump offs to the running back or even a wide receiver screen takes a snap. He looks at the wide receiver. He's going to throw to in that screen for about five seconds. You know exactly where he's going. And then about five seconds later, the ball gets to the receiver. It is the slowest progression I've ever seen. We were watching it and I was watching with my uncle, my dad and and, uh, my uncle goes, that's going to be, the throw that's going to lose us a game on a pick six Yeah, when someone jumps that route. Cause it is so unbelievably slow when Tucker Rovick throws any of those passes. Yep. It, Still not impressed with him. 13 of 23 against a Southern Utah defense is not good. No, it's not good at all. I mean, good for a W is a W, but I would not feel confident in anything that guy does. No, they did open up the game with Troy Anderson uh, playing quarterback, so that was pretty nice to see that they maybe thought, maybe we should get this guy some reps on offense. Uh, but he had an all-around pretty uh, pretty great game. You know, rushing, he only had that one rush for 16 yards, but just on the defensive side of the ball, he got his first career interception. Uh, he made some pretty big plays, uh, tackles for loss. He had a couple sacks, so it was fun to see him uh, doing his thing. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Sometimes that does get lost. Uh, you, when you when you have an impact guy like Troy Anderson last year where you saw him every single play on offense, you kind of lose that that excitement for him when he's on defense and not every play he's having a, an obvious um, you know impact on. So it was really fun to see him get, get going on defense and see that Bobcats defense flying around. Again, it's all taken with a grain of salt because it was Southern Utah, but you were right. A win's a win. They're six and three, three and two in conference. They have Northern Colorado coming up, which is a very winnable game. So uh, a definite needed Norfolk state esque type of game uh, for the cats. Yeah. Yep. So last year when they played Northern Colorado, they won 35 to seven. That was the last time the Bobcats held a team to under 10 points besides uh, this most recent win at Southern Utah. So uh, their defense can really get up against bad teams. And, you know, they have uh, Northern Colorado coming up again, so we'll see We'll see what they can do. Yep, and, uh, you know, there's not much else to say about the game except good Big Sky Dub. They all count the same at the end of the year. That's the same, and that's, uh, uh, that's, a, that's the score you want to see, right? Like, going into the game. For sure. Like, well, yeah. I would have liked – I mean, when you score 42 in the first half, you'd like to see at least a touchdown or something in the second half to show that you can – you know, move the ball on their second team defense or, you know, if your second team D is out there. So um, let's not forget, though, that this uh, Southern Utah offense put up 59 points last week against Idaho State. Great point. The week before against Idaho State. 
So people forget that this is a, a high-powered Southern Utah offense uh, that Montana State held to seven points. People forget that some Cat fans, maybe Montana Parlay, is worried about this stretch of Southern Utah and Northern Colorado, uh, saying the yeah. Cats had a 60% chance of winning both games, I believe was his stat. So, I mean, going into the game, if I would have said, Nate, Bobcats are going to win by 35 points, you would have been thrilled with that outcome. For sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think it actually probably hurt Cats fans' psyches more that they were up 42 to nothing and half and didn't score anything instead of like spreading that out a little bit. I don't like know if 14, this is a Cat 14. fan psyche or a you psyche where you dice, you carve up the game into different portions and then feel bad about the portions or try to gloat about not the portions that, that don't work out for you. No, that's not how football works. You play the whole game. They scored 42 points. It's great. That's a good game. It was a good half. It was a good half. Although yeah. I think maybe one of the worst things is like maybe I've been one, wanting Casey Bauman to come back as Rovic struggles and he comes in and goes one for four against which was probably Southern Utah's second team defense. Uh, even if it was their first team defense, you should be able to do a little bit better than one for four. But, yep, it was a win. Uh, Weber State, just a couple other little tidbits about Southern Utah. We, they scored 14 on that vaunted defense of Weber State and 25 against UC Davis. So, the seven points actually is probably what is more impressive than anything was just, um, like I said, I'm not getting too high on it, but whenever you held a team, if you can shut out a team, hold them to three or seven points, you know, one score, that's a pretty good game by your defense, regardless of who the, who the other team is. So I think that is probably what I'm hanging my hat on more on this game was the defense flying around a little bit. Yep. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're happy. What's the next game you want to talk about? Who. We're going to save the game of the week for a little bit later. Let's talk about how many points were scored in that Eastern Washington NAU game. Yeah. So this game, the score at halftime, NAU 24, Eastern Washington 38. Awesome. So that's quite a few points. And then you come out after halftime, Eastern Washington puts up 21 more in the third quarter seven in the fourth to go uh, to hang 66 on the lumberjacks NAU scored 38, which uh, you know, most weeks is going to get you, get you close in the big sky. But when you let Eastern Washington score 66 points or any team score 66 points, it's not, it's probably not, you're probably not gonna have a good time. No. And I think, you know, Eastern Washington probably, you know, they've done the math. They know that the playoffs are not completely eliminated, but, a a long shot at this point and i think they know that they have to put up a ton of points they have to not only win these games but dominate to stand out yeah and i think i think the one thing that you and i talked about last week was like who's going to show up for this game a lumberjacks team who at four and four probably wasn't going to be in the playoffs and eastern washington was also four and four we were kind of wondering which teams are going to show up is eastern washington a program that's dominated the big sky for the last few years going to just come out and, and not have that energy. And we got an answer to that fairly quickly when you throw up 38 <laughs> yeah. points in the first half. Yeah. So Barry Arier came out, went, you know, for that whole game through three touchdowns, had 367 yards through the air. But again, NAU's Achilles heel, their kryptonite is their, is their rushing defense. I think Montana state had three guys rush for over a hundred yards against them. Yeah. Now, Eastern Washington had a guy go for 139 and another guy and the quarterback go for 101. So they had 312 yards on the ground. So if you want to beat NAU, no need to have a quarterback, literally just run the ball every single time. And you will probably beat the lumberjacks. Yeah. Yeah. The poor lumberjacks. We, 
we didn't know who they were. Still until have November. one of the coolest helmets in the in the Big Sky. Oh yeah, one of the best uniforms. Period. I love when they yeah. have that the dark blue uniforms with kind of the matte helmets. I think those are. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So and an underrated. It's underrated to have that NAU and kind of the axe hammerhead. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Barry. And then there's a mountain inside the A. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Barry Arier had 468 total yards. Pretty good. That's a good game. Eagles had 706 yards total offense in that game. Uh, that's a successful, successful day. Very, very successful. It looks like uh, two other quarterbacks did get in for Eastern Washington. And we, uh, we obviously know Eastern Washington as kind of like quarterback university. Um, actually, I lied. One of them was a wide receiver. Perfect. But he went one for one for 20 yards, so you never know. And then they put in uh, a kid named Gu- – yeah. What a name! They put in a kid named Gunner Talkington, <laughs> which is the coolest name ever. Five ten, two hundred five pound sophomore out of Battleground, Washington. Oh man, he's a he's a. I have a new favorite quarterback in the yeah. Mix. He's stout. Five ten, two hundred five. His name's Gunner. Yeah, Gunner Talkington. <laughs> Love this dude already. I need Barry Arier to move on because Gunner Talkington is going to take over yeah no i'm an eastern fan now sky. once he starts oh, yeah. i'm all eastern all the time <laughs> and he got some pt in the championship game last year against north dakota state he went one for one for two yards and a touchdown so why he didn't start this season is a mystery to me obviously they're saving him uh for that junior and senior year to take over the big sky but gunner talkington is definitely a name to watch uh, in the big sky conference for at least two to three years to come yeah regardless of what position he ends up playing I'm just well. He was a quarterback. Very Johnny happy. Edwards the fourth. The the wide receiver that I got it mixed up on was Johnny Edwards the fourth. And the only reason I clicked on his name is because I remember Johnny Montana, the old Grizz quarterback, John Edwards. Yeah. And I wanted to know: Did John Edwards somehow have three generations of kids between the time he played and now? And Johnny Edwards the fourth was a Montana-born player that went over to Eastern Washington. I was disappointed to find out this Johnny Edwards the fourth is from Pasadena, so probably not Johnny Montana. Probably not. That's a safe assumption. That is the reason why I researched Eastern Washington quarterbacks. Nice work. Case Cook is three thirty for forty-six, three hundred fifty-six yards. So he was Case in it. He's he's his normal Case. Um, if Case Cook is played for Montana State, oh man, would Montana State be a top three team? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about top three, but they'd Three's certainly a random be one. top five. <laughs> yeah, they would be yeah the top of the Big Sky Conference. I feel pretty confident in that. I mean, your biggest weakness right now is you have a terrible, terrible quarterback. Yeah, it's just sometimes it hurts me to even talk about it when I'm like, what if he was on our team? Like, what if Kevin Thompson didn't go to Sac State and it was on Montana State? Yeah, those type of things. That's no, really funny. But... Really funny how it works out. Yeah, so that was Northern Arizona, Eastern Washington. The next game is a laughable one, and it's a team that we thought might be a little frisky going into this season. Mm-hmm. And that was Rob Fennessy's Idaho State Bank. Oh, boy. Idaho State has had a rough go of it. Um, basically, since they <laughs> – this is the weirdest part. They knock off North Dakota. Yep. A team Montana State couldn't score on. They beat them 55 to 20. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, yeah. scoring 55. That defense is good in North Dakota. 
Then they come home and they lose the Battle of the Domes to Idaho, 45 to 21. Then they travel to Southern Utah and lose to the same Southern Utah Thunderbirds. It's, that scored seven points against the Cats. They lose to them 59-34. to 34. Yeah, it's unreal. They let that Southern Utah offense score 59 points on them. Then they're like, all right, we get a home game against Northern Colorado. They have the same two stretch of games as the Cats do coming up, had and have. Northern Colorado comes to town. They lose. This is last week. They lose to Northern Colorado 26-20 to 20 at home. What is going on in Pocatello, Idaho? I don't know. I mean, are they your? Are they the worst team in the Big Sky? They are in my in my um, Big Sky podcast network. In our annual or our weekly, Jesus, annual in our weekly power rankings, I had Idaho State at the bottom of the barrel. And if you didn't have them there, someone has to tell me why. They've lost to now Northern Colorado last week. Two weeks ago, they lose to Southern Utah. Northern Colorado is or Southern Utah is currently ranked below them in the podcast in the uh, power rankings. I don't understand. Idaho State is the bottom of the big sky for me. You cannot lose to Southern Utah and Northern Colorado in in um, consecutive weeks and even be looked at as a anything better than the worst team in the conference. Yeah. No, I mean, it, I think it's a coin flip between Idaho State and Southern Utah for the worst team, but. But, does, but Southern Utah beat them by 36 points. Yeah. So I guess. 30 points. So Idaho State. Doesn't seem like a coin toss to me. Um, so Idaho State may have a worse quarterback situation than Montana State, though, is one thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they. Matt Struck they, goes four for 13 <laughs> for 67 yards. His backup, Sagan Gronauer. Sagan. S A G A N. Oh, God. Sagan Gronauer goes 6 of 12 for 61 yards. 128 yards through the air on 10 completions. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Uh, That is Is not good. Yeah. Not good. Sagan's from Las Vegas, by the way. Sagan Gronauer. Nice. That's quite the name. We got some good names. Yeah, Port. <sighs> I don't know. Idaho State. I like fantasy too, and I kind of feel bad because I do like fantasy. I like and I like the Bengals unis. Yeah. Well, I I like them, and I want them to be like, even though they've not had much success in recent years. I feel like they're a good Big Sky team, and it may just be. I want them. Yeah, it's weird. It in may our, just like, be something that in our they, minds. Yeah, it's just like it's a it's a state name, right? Like Idaho State. I, I like it and I trust them more for whatever reason than teams that have a lot of success all the time, like say Weber State or if we get Dixie State. If Dixie State comes into the Big Sky Conference and wins 10 conference championships in a row, I will never take them seriously or treat them as right. a real Big Sky uh, member. And it's not like a directional thing like Northern Colorado, Southern Utah. It's just Idaho State. Okay. You're right. It's like it's like one of those foundations of the state education system. Yes. So they are. They should be better. They have uh, two FCS wins, and otherwise a. It's just a weird, weird season for them. I honestly think their scheduling is what is what killed them. They, yeah, we we covered that a lot at the beginning of the season. Was just how they didn't play an FCS game until what? Well, they played until... Portland State. They played Portland State at home, um, and that was their first win. That was September 28th. Their first FCS game 
non-conference game in like a decade or i forget the exact step but it was that's something right. insane. That's what it was, yeah, it yeah. was at northern iowa in the middle of the month like they still have byu to go play in two weeks we'll we'll do a, that's the weirdest one <laughs> maybe we should do a live pod for that one we'll just <laughs> cover that one live Ugh. um because that will be hilarious but yeah i mean you you enter conference play with just a single fcs win like it's you know your playoff shot you know chances are basically shot and they haven't even got to the tough part of their schedule. They should drop their last three. They have Eastern at BYU at Weber state. Those should all be, all be losses. They should. Good be. Lord. God, when you lose that, I mean, it's unbelievable. And they, I just keep looking at that loss to freaking Southern Utah. 59 to 34. Yeah. And they look tough. 59 points. They look tough against, the Grizz, if you remember. The first half of that Grizz game was one that, I mean, every first half has looked pretty shitty for the Grizz this year. But that one stuck out as like, maybe, maybe they are that pesky Idaho State team we've always wanted to be there. Uh, they were not, obviously. Yep. Uh, they got their ass kicked against the Grizz, and you kind of see what was coming. But, yeah. That game, I mean, this is about the only thing you could talk about. Is, it seemed pretty boring in the grand scheme of things. 26-20, um, to 20, the game was in Pocatello. Or the Colorado's uniforms are super boring. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a battle. Division three-ish. Battle of coaches that I like for whatever reason. And I think that makes me, at least in Idaho State's case, elevate them more than it should. Rob Fennessy's just a good dude. He had that moment with Bob Stitt a few years ago where Stitt yeah. did the flying high five and pirouette to get out of the game. Um, yeah, that was, I remember that. Yeah. Man, I miss Stitt. I miss Bob Stitt. Yeah. I would love if he came and coached one of these other schools. Imagine if That'd he came hilarious. and took over for Idaho or took over for Northern Colorado, which is the rumor that's been floating around for years that I'd imagine is only because he also coached in Colorado before he came to the Grizz. Like, I don't know how realistic it is to recruit anyone to Greeley, but that rumor's out there. That would be great. We'll see about that. That would be fun. We, we would love it for the content. Yes. <laughs> All right, so the next game, which might even be more boring than what we just talked about. I'm yawning as I still go. 21 to 9, the Idaho Vandals go against our theory, and they beat the Cal Poly Mustangs 21 to 9. Out of nowhere. In Moscow. Yeah. Idaho coming out of nowhere for this win. Uh, they were down 3 nothing in the first quarter, uh, and then it came roaring back to score a touchdown in the next three quarters <laughs> to score 21 <laughs> points. Uh, Cal Poly with about two minutes and forty-seven seconds left scored a touchdown to bring that game. They went uh, they went for two and didn't get it. They would have brought it to within a ten-point game. But my God, this game just just boring to even look at the ESPN box score. Yeah, what stands out is what is your favorite. What fact stands about out is Mason game? Petrino is still starting. Yep. 13 of 22 for 138 yards. Congrats on uh, can, well, touchdown, yeah. Well, hold on, though. Congrats on the win, Mason. That must feel pretty good. Yeah. And I think um, the only other thing I can really see is that Andre Carter's a beast for Idaho. 179 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Yep. He got That's pretty good. He got uh, some honorable mention for player of the week. And then Jeff Cotton continues to impress. He had a touchdown on five catches. Man. So there's that. 
13 to 22. Yeah. Remember in Jalen, remember in Jalen Hamler, we thought was going to be a passing threat this year. Yeah. We were like, it's a dual threat quarterback when they beat San Diego. Yeah. Now you went. Yeah. When they beat San Diego, they looked amazing. Four for Uh, four for 12, less than a hundred yards, zero touchdowns, interception. You know, if I'm going to say something else nice about Idaho Mm -hmm. is they did a pretty good job holding Cal Poly's rushing attack at bay. Nobody had over 67 yards. Dewey Tran Sampson, their big their big uh, running back threat was uh, 17 carries for only 56 yards. So you're you're holding him to 3.3. When you hold Cal Poly, and I know they take out sacks, so Jalen Hamler had 11 carries for negative seven yards. So he must have taken a couple big sacks. Um, they held him to three yards per carry average. That's not bad when you're facing that triple option. But glad I didn't watch this one on Pluto because I would have been asleep. Yeah, no. in this one. I almost fell asleep when the Cats were playing Cal Poly when Cal Poly was on offense. I can only imagine what this game looked like with those uniforms, the natural grass. It's probably a <laughs> night game. Yeah, I like the honor, man. Yeah, it. Uh, I I feel like that's that's probably enough. Idaho games are most fun uh, when Idaho they were supposed loses. to lose this game. Were they like in our theory? Of oh yeah. What I said they were going to be what down. Coach Petrino's trying to do. I said it they, just screws our theory all up. I said they were going to be down thirty-four to ten at halftime. That was a bold, and I stand by it. I stand That's by. That's a bold it. statement. It You've had a lot of bold statements regarding Cal Poly lately. Yeah, you have a weird confidence in Cal Poly. I think it goes back to when they beat the Grizz after the North Dakota State win, like four years ago. It's like wow, <laughs> it's still just in your it's in my to your brain. Like, like I always good. just tell myself, it's like wow, it is really hard to beat a triple option team. You just never know. They can be frisky. Well, and seven teams have beat them this year. Yeah. Um, five of them in the big sky conference. So yeah. Cal Poly is actually bringing up the bottom of that, of the standings uh, in the big sky tied with Southern Utah for the least conference wins. It's kind of funny because Idaho state does have two conference wins. One against, what was it? Portland state and one against, um, whoever the hell else they beat Idaho state beat blanking on it it doesn't matter yeah but they are idaho state still is the worst i put cal poly over idaho state um, in our conference power rankings for whatever reason but cal poly southern utah pulling up the rear of the big sky conference with uh each with one and five conference records cal poly their schedule does not get much easier eastern washington and then the powerful northern colorado <laughs> um yeah, I don't like that East. I actually said that. I said that before I even looked at who they're playing. I just assumed it wasn't going to get much well, easier than the I said. The worst team like, in Shit. the conference. It uh, every game is a tough game. True, true. So, so yeah. I don't know why I started saying that, and then I, as I was saying, I was like, I better look to see if it does get any easier. Oh, but they do have a bye week this week, so they can get their so shit together the for one. Eastern Washington. Does that make you feel terrible that Cal Poly took you to overtime and probably should have won that game? Oh, for sure. Well, I don't say, I don't know if they should have won that game. We let them score 21 points unanswered in the fourth quarter to, to tie that game up. Uh, yeah, it, that that's remember that started the kind of the, my downward my downward uh, cat spiral. Oh, yeah. Second half, Cal Poly, Sacramento State, bye week, lost to North Dakota. Like that was a shitty what nine quarters of football plus a bye week. Yeah, yeah, you were in a dark that place. Sucked. That sucked. Dark place for a long time. For a long time. So. Let's get to 
Ari, we'll bookend we'll book this segment with the Montana State of Montana games because we have one more to talk about. It was the game of the week going into it. It's kind of crazy when you have the number six team in the country playing the number three team in the country, and it's at night in Sacramento at a, a stadium that's not not too special, no real atmosphere. I was watching I was watching it on Pluto. There's eleven thousand people there, which is pretty good for a Sac State game. Yeah, but good, good turnout. It good turnout, but it almost made me a little bit depressed watching it, thinking that that was the number six and number three teams in the country uh, battling it out on a Saturday night in Sacramento. Um, can you imagine like an FBS game when the six and three teams are playing like game days there? Uh, it's probably in front of 70,000 people and I'm not disparaging the FCS in any way. I just, it kind of made me kind of made me laugh a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think it still makes me laugh that we were talking about Sacramento state being the number six team in the country. I think that was the laughable part. Yeah. It's just, it's weird talking about, I don't know. The FCS generally will always be kind of a, uh, outside of the Big Sky Conference will always kind of be this like unknown entity for me. Like I, uh, how Sacramento State compares against the rest of the country, like it's 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 tough for me to kind of visualize or even talk about. But I know where they rank like against the Grizz, right? Like I think if Sac State plays Montana ten times, they probably win like five or six of those games. Um, it's just. I don't know. It's it's a dumb. I'm glad they're doing well. I'm glad that we have like a big market team that's that's competing and they have fans showing up. But like, I still just it goes back to the Idaho State. It's so weird. Idaho thing. Like, it just, they just don't seem like a Big Sky Conference team. No. And so Weber State ended up knocking off uh, the Hornets, 36 to 17. I saw it coming. Weber State was somehow a seven point dog in this game. Yeah. Got out to a really uh, you know a quick start against Sacramento State. Sacramento State's quarterback, Kevin Thompson, did get knocked out of the game. He got drilled on a cornerback blitz, blindside, didn't see him coming, uh, and was out of the game, I believe that was about midway towards the end of the first half. Yep. Is when he got knocked out. I was watching this game on Pluto. It's actually a decent feed for a Pluto. Um, I don't want to say anything good about it because they'll probably just hang their hats on that. But <laughs> uh, Weber State came out. You could tell I, I thought they were the better team. There's still some people um, – within the Montana Mint that think that Sacramento State's the better team, one of them being Montana Parlay. Uh, he got a little testy on the slack, um, talking about how nobody had any any of the guts or the confidence to bet that game and how he was the only one that had confidence uh, to bet it. He, he bet on the wrong side, so I guess he had some, some false confidence. But Weber State, to me, left no doubt who's the best team in this conference. Sac State wasn't, I don't think, and we'll never know, but I don't think they were going to win this game, even with Kevin Thompson yeah, playing quarterback. No, I, it would have been a lot closer. They would have had chances. Yeah, but I think Weber State wins this game regardless of who's under center for Sac State. Yeah, and they, you know, it's not like they squeaked by. They won convincingly. They won by almost twenty points. It's uh, Weber State. The narrative, and we've uh, been saying this for the past couple of weeks. The narrative on them is that their offense stinks, but. That applies when they were playing FBS games, but when you look at what they've been doing against FCS teams, they're putting up lots and lots of points. 36, 36, 51, 29, 41, 29, 41. Those aren't like those aren't even kind of bad numbers. Those are great numbers offensively. Yeah. And you know, their quarterback play is nothing special. Uh Constantine. Yep. Like 
when he's out there, he's not flat. He's not flat. I mean, he's just not going to be like a Snead or a Kevin Thompson or a, a Case Cookus or any of those guys. But Josh Davis, their running back, is unbelievable. He's like a little Christian McCaffrey. And I don't know if I'm saying that because they're both like white running backs. Yep. I don't know if that's what reminds me of each other. But the dude is good. Fast, shifty. And the worst part for the big sky is he is a sophomore. Yeah, he's going to be causing problems for a long time. And, you know, their offense, if you look, their pass offense, yardage per game, almost worse than the big sky at 168. But their rushing offense is number four in the big sky. That's not awesome, but that's good enough. And when your defense yeah. is as strong as their defense is, that's all you need, right? Like if you're getting good field position, yep. you're getting lots of lots of possessions, it just gives you – many more opportunities to score and they're taking advantage of it. Yeah. So one other little thing I, what was with Weber state's uniforms? Did you see those? Yeah. Super weird purple, which is okay. Whatever. There's a lot of cool, you know, Washington Huskies are purple. Cool. uniform. Weber state somehow someone thought it would be a great idea to put the wildcat white outline of the wildcat head right on like the left ass cheek (laughs) <laughs> of every Weber State player. Yeah. It was the weirdest addition to a uniform that didn't need to be there that I've ever seen. Yeah. It, so that bugged me a lot. It was super weird. The whole game. Yep. Something that shouldn't bug you, but it really did. Yeah. And then Sac State wears a white helmet with a metallic silver hornet that you couldn't tell what the hell it was. Because silver and white don't really go together. Especially under the lights, when everything's just glaring off of them, and then a gold face mask. Yeah, it was god awful. It was really bad, and I wonder if we should institute a rule where it's like you need to have X amount of success before you're allowed to have like a flashy uniform. You know, y- yeah. you need to accomplish these three things before we're going to let you, uh, you know, get cute with your uniform. You know, if you want Sac State just needs to put like a like a MSUB yellow jacket on their helmet. Just a just a hornet. Just stick with a hornet for a little while. Yeah, for a couple seasons. Like just a normal hornet, not like the weird mascot hornet that you have and don't do it in all chromed out on a white helmet. Yeah. What did we de- what did just we determine chill. the hornet's name was? Herky? Herky. Yeah. God bless him. Should have been horny. Yeah. That would have been I stand by that. Yeah. That's it's a great Great idea. So, so Sacramento State, I think, I mean, Kevin Thompson was dropping some dimes in there when he was playing. He wasn't having his best game. He was 9 of 18 for 144 yards in that half. I mean, it's a pretty good half yardage-wise. Some of his receivers are just making some ridiculous catches. This is a good team. Kevin Thompson is a really good quarterback. It was very disappointing to see him go down because that was something. That was the reason why a lot of people were watching this game was a, was a good team like Weber State and then a Kevin Thompson who was a dynamic player who ripped the Grizz to shreds, who ripped the Cats to shreds, uh, just throws an amazing deep ball. He's shifty. He can get out of pressure. It was just too bad for us as the general big sky watching public. Uh, to see him go down, obviously Sac State fans weren't weren't excited about it, but it just kind of sucked for the for the casual Big Sky viewer, uh, like we are to see you know one of the top players in the conference go down like that in such a marquee matchup. So hopefully he's okay because Sac State needs him. Uh, Jake Dunaway, a cat from uh, Stockton, California, came in and uh, just a different 
just a whole different dynamic when he was in the game. I think he threw a pick on his first uh, possession in the end zone. He's no Kevin Thompson. So Sac State, if they're going to make any noise in the playoffs and, and, and the end of this conference season, they need Kevin Thompson back. So hopefully he is getting better and is available next week. Yeah. Yep. Fingers crossed. We're all rooting for it. All right. We are. And so that takes us to our bookended Montana team. And that was a game that if you're a Grizz fan, you might have been a little nervous, wondering what was going on with your team. But like everything else this year, the Grizz come out in the second half, put the game away. Montana Grizzlies 38, Portland State Vikings 23. Tell me, how did you feel about this game as it was progressing through, through your Saturday afternoon? I was rage-watching the Pluto TV feed that kept cutting out to black and couldn't watch it. It was, so I couldn't even, when, when the game was close, I wasn't even comprehending what the score was that Portland state was keeping it close that they had the lead at halftime. I wasn't processing that because I was just so mad that I couldn't watch the game. And I was furiously trying to figure out what it, you know, what needed to happen for me to watch this. I finally got the radio feed up, which is actually a pretty, Pretty fun way to watch, or to, it's not a bad way to, to, to consume a game, not watch the game, but to consume it. Um, and so that calmed me down a bit. And that's right when uh, Torre, you know, in the third quarter, took the lead, big touchdown pass from Cam Humphrey, who looked good uh, second game in a row. And that you know, this is how the Grizz have been winning. They it's close at halftime, and then the second half they're pouring on points. I don't know if that is coincidental or something that the coaching staff's doing. Uh, I obviously would like to see this, you know, the games not be so close at halftime. I'd rather them be up 42 to nothing in the first quarter, every single game. Uh, But a win's a win. And I think this is a nice, a nice victory. And I think you can't underestimate or dismiss uh, what Cam Humphrey is doing as a backup quarterback coming in, uh, very high expectations, and he has led the Grizz to victories in a you know a a tough game against Eastern Washington last week, and a game against on the road at Portland State. Who like we can you know laugh about Portland State, but standing wise, they are number six in the Big Sky Conference, and in the Big Sky uh, Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings, they're number seven. And so this isn't, you know, they they beat Cal Poly or UNC by 13 points. Like these were backup quarterback came in. He's won two games against pretty decent opponents. And that is all you can ask for him. He's looked very good in it. I'm very happy with where the Grizz are. And they needed this win if they wanted to, uh, you know, give themselves some breathing room because their schedule obviously have Idaho this week that can get them to eight FCS wins. And then they have two tough games to close out, close out the season. You want to go for wins in all those games, but you know, you have, it it just makes everything a little bit easier when you, when you get this win, when you get that seventh FCS win the first weekend of November. For sure. And I think you talk about Cam Humphrey uh, coming in and and, uh, like you said, Portland state's not this like power in the big sky. Their wins in the conference have come against some pretty weak teams. Um, they've lost to a couple pretty weak teams, but when you can come out and go 21 of 28 for 335 yards and four touchdowns, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. Our example is we kind of saw Tucker Rovic. I mean, we did see Tucker Rovic come out against Southern Utah and not even come close to those statistics. And Southern Utah's a worse team than Portland State by 
almost every metric, right? Yes. So it is, I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You do like to see your quarterback come out regardless of the competition and, and look like an actual quarterback, put up numbers that you should put up against a, a weaker opponent. Um, and Samuel Torre is a, is a beast. That is one thing that no matter who is under center for the Grizzlies, he's got some weapons at those wide receiver positions. You had Torre going for 140 yards and three TDs. You had a Kim, 104 touched or 104 yards and a touchdown. And then you had uh, Jerry Lou McGee kind of doing his thing with the nine receptions, not a ton of yards, but doing his thing, what he's supposed to be doing. So some insane weapons there. And I saw something, I think it was Sam Torre is actually from Portland, Oregon and did not even get recruited by Portland state, <laughs> which is unbelievable that you could let uh, a kid like this, out of your city and not even try to recruit him. Who knows if, you know, if, if I have someone like the Grizz recruiting me and I'm in it, it, versus Portland state, I think it's, I mean, I'm from Montana, so I would probably go to the Grizzlies. You know, I don't know if you want to stay home and play at a high school stadium, if you're a Portland guy, but yeah. to have the Vikings not even look at this dude makes you wonder what the hell they're doing. Cause he, he was impressive. He, I think he took that personally and came out and, and made Portland state pay uh, for not recruiting him. But, uh, man, he's a he's a. We always thought we'd be talking about Sammy Kemp all season long, but Sam Torre is is just as electric and had a had a pretty outstanding game for the Grizz. Yep, and it's uh we've been you know every game it seems like the Grizz win a different way. Um, this game they relied you know on on the big three wide receiver core uh, three hundred and thirty five yards, uh, most of it coming from those top three guys. It it's just exactly what we wanted to see. Very, very happy with this game. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what what else there is to say, man. Four touchdowns out of Cam Humphrey, zero interceptions. Let's do it. That's great. Yeah. That is. So that was your week, uh, week ten, Big Sky Roundup. Right now, uh, where the Big Sky Conference standings are at is Weber State is still up at the top of this conference right now at a five and zero conference record. They're ranked number three in the stats FCS poll. Sac State, Montana, and Montana State all coming in with one loss each. Uh, Sac State, Montana, uh, with four conference wins to one loss. Montana State with three conference wins uh, to one loss. Which I don't think that's correct because Montana State lost to North Dakota, so stats is not including that in Montana State. So Montana State is actually three and two in conference with losses to uh, North Dakota and Sac State. So look at me doing my investigative work. Yeah, you did it though. You came around. That's and weird. Got it right. So yeah, so stats is not counting that North Dakota game as a conference game. It obviously was. So Montana is three and two in conference. Uh, the four teams that are ranked are Weber State, Sac State, Montana, Montana State. Weber State at three, Montana at six, Sac State at eight, and Montana State at twelve. Um, the two things I have with that is how the hell is Montana ranked above Sac State? Yeah. Well, I mean, how, well, how is because the, the Grizz won this weekend. Sac State didn't. Yeah. And the Grizz have to the number three team without their quarterback. Sure. And they dropped two points, right? Like it's not like they dropped significantly. They went from six to eight. Um, I think if you lose, don't you still have to rank them in front of the Grizz after what they did to the Grizz? I mean, uh, no, I look, it, it's weird, but that's how these things work. Sac State has been penalized since the beginning of the year for not getting even yeah. receiving votes. And they're, that is a hole that you can blame on the last administration or the last coaching staff. That's a hole that they dug out. That's not going to happen next season, right? People are probably going to overvalue them. But when you jump onto the scene, this is what happens. And you, you know, the reason that they were ranked six and not three is because 
they were starting from much further behind the two Montana. Sure, they schools. probably should have been ranked ahead of Weber State at the time. Totally, and so it's it's weird, and I think that Montana, Sacramento State, if they play again, you know, Sac State is favored in that game, but the way these rankings work, you have to be penalized for for losing. And if you look purely at their record, they have a worse record than every team ahead of them in the rankings. So it's not that outrageous. It's outrageous. <laughs> oh, but, by the way, do you, so, but you, you forgot to mention this. Um, and I'm waiting for my apology. Uh, the uh, Monmouth, who you dismissed as a, a joke team, a joke FCS win, number one in the Big South, now ranked. They beat Kennesaw State this past weekend. To take, Kennesaw State's a joke. Take over the top spot. Kennesaw State, previously, before this, was ranked number five. Yes. They were ranked ahead and of Sac State. it was Sac a joke State. because nobody's watching anything west of the Mississippi who voted for Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State's wins have come against Alabama State, Missouri State, Reinhardt, Charleston Southern, Presbyterian, North Alabama, and Monmouth. Yikes. Well, they well Monmouth. Yeah, they sorry. lost Monmouth. But Kennesaw State dropped appropriately to number 15, so they dropped 10 spots with that one loss. We haven't seen any other team drop that far after one loss. Uh, the voters at least looked and saw something there they didn't like. Finally, with Kennesaw State dropping out, such a horrible, horrible, horrible conference. Well, but I that think Big that South happens is. where you get, you know, someone is overvalued at the beginning of the year. Oh, for sure. And then, it was the exact they, opposite of Sac State. Yeah, but then they just keep winning. And so, what do you do? Penalize them for, you know, being undefeated or, you know, oh, I know. dominating? It's, it's just it's the way silly, these things go. But it is, and they were overvalued, and and you just hope at some point there's a correction that you don't have to explain. You, know, you can just say, hey, we got it wrong at the beginning. We're dropping this team a couple this week because their schedule's horrific. Yeah. But, and you know what? Montana State going into that game last week after the loss to Sac State, North Dakota, I didn't think they probably should be ranked 14th. So seeing them at 12, this I thought they should have been ranked lower or higher, how you look at it. Worse. Should have been ranked worse the than Cats. 14th going into that game. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. After dropping those two games, they somehow kept it number 14. They ju- they jumped up two spots to number 12 this week in the FCS poll, so they're just kind of inching back to that top 10 team. Uh, I still I Do I think they're the number 12 team in their country? Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical of that, but I'll take it, I guess. Uh, it looks good next to the name. Right. And it, again, it goes back to... Uh... You know, should North Carolina A and T be ranked above them? Like, I have no fucking idea, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know, right? Like, I don't. I think the Cats are the fourth best team in the Big Sky Conference. I think the Big Sky Conference is probably the second best conference besides the Missouri Valley. So, yep, twelve sounds about right to me. Um, yeah, like that. Just doing that quick, quick dumb math out loud. Uh, I arrived at yeah, that's probably the correct decision. And Why by not? the way, former, these other schools? former, former, I know I looked at after oh, I central said that, Connecticut I state. Dartmouth. Oh, they're, they're getting Southeast robbed. Missouri state. They're getting Southeast robbed. Missouri states at 17. Central Connecticut state's getting robbed at being 20, like eight and one cares? eight and one central Connecticut state ranked number 20. Oh man. They're definitely going to meet us in the playoffs and beat us. They actually, yeah, they actually dropped a spot after beating Wagner, which is funny. The blue devils. I like it. I never even heard of central Connecticut. I'm looking at them now. CC with a devil on it. Looks kind of like a junior college. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Montana schools are definitely the exception and not the rule when it comes to 
uh, FCS football. There's a so there's a team in the Northeast Conference that Central Connecticut State plays in, and by the way, they also play with St. Francis of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and Wagner, who the Cats beat this year. But anyway, uh, there's a team in there with the acronym LIU dash C dot W dot post. What do you think that school is? I'll say it again. LIU dot C dot W post. LIU. I mean, there was an LIU that made the NCAA tournament a couple years ago, Long Island, right? Long Island university. But I don't know what yeah. CW post means. I'm going to look at them because I even clicked on it. Okay, so it is Long Island University. They're horrible, by the way. This has nothing to do with anybody ranked in the school. So LIU Post is a private university in Brookville, New York. So it's Long Island, but some for some reason, Post. Here it is. Found it. Here we go. All of that just for this. So it's Long Island University, but this school is the CW Post campus of Long Island University. Oh, my God. So it's not so this even... Is, yeah. It's not even like the main Long Island University. (laughs) And they somehow have an FCS football team. (coughs) Excuse me. What? L-I-U-C-W Post Sharks. That's... 0-7 in the conference, 0-8 on the season. Yeah, that's Um, a different different school. Because I just wanted to fact check my uh, NCAA tournament prediction. They've been in the tournament in the first first round or the first four several times over the past decade. Um, but it, that's the blackbirds. Yeah. This is the sharks. Holy moly. Look at us. That's something everybody who listened to this podcast this week learned is that there is a long Island university CW post campus FCS football team in the Northeast conference. Um, it is. That's, that's incredible. They are. They rank towards the towards the last in about every single metric of offense. They've scored nine touchdowns this year. This might be the funniest game. The funniest team since we discovered Simon Fraser a few years ago. That Canadian team. Yeah, so this is definitely the funniest US team. It has to be. They got shut out in consecutive weekends, thirty to zero and twenty eight to zero. I can't even find now, now I'm looking at something else. So there's the Long Island University Post Pioneers. But on the FCS stats site, they're the LIU Sharks. Good God. What are they? Yeah, they Nobody are ranked, even Is this a real school? They are ranked dead last in m- most offensive It gets categories. weirder. It gets weirder. They are the LIU Post Pioneers. I go to their website. The banner ad, the thing that pops up, is Long Island University – our new mascot is the shark. I'm not even, I can't make this up. On May 15th, they chose a new mascot. They chose to go from the LIU post pioneers to the sharks. Everything on their page is still branded. The LIU post pioneers. Yeah, it is. I'm the looking logo, at it too. the official site of Long Island university, LIU post pioneers athletics. And then this weird thing that just says our new mascot is the shark. <laughs> Which is weird because it's why is it a singular shark? Yeah, but if you click on any, this is uh, this is not a real school. Yeah, is this just a like a diploma mill? What is happening? This we have uncovered 
Scoop of the century. Something. This is not a real school. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, that's there. Everything even says become a pioneer, like in their how you join their fan club. <laughs> but then you go to their store. You go to their official online store, and then it's all sharks. This is the weirdest thing. Also, it's like I might get a shark sweatshirt. All so up certainly that's an upgrade, right? Like moving from pioneer to the shark, logo, especially like sure. a shark out of traditional shark areas. Like the fact that it's in Long Island and they're the sharks. They have sharks there, right? That's probably, but it's not known for shark. Like when I think sharks, I think warm weather beaches. Um, so it's it's funny. Like I like that. That's their thing but their choice of logo and mascot is just super boring such a weird deal it's definitely an upgrade speaking of upgrades and this is not on the subject of long island university post because i think we've talked about that quite a bit um and by the way in 2018 there was two kids that were bitten in separate shark attacks off of long island shores but that's beside the point um oh wow the, the missoula osprey today got um, a little bit of a rebrand yeah uh no more no more missoula osprey they are now the missoula paddle paddleheads 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 with a moose mascot you know what i think it's i I, i'm in on it i am too i it's weird i'm in on it it's super weird it's weird but it's minor league baseball yeah and that is definitely where minor league baseball is going rebranding every decade or so getting weirder and weirder mascots trying to get some buzz. Uh, I think it's great. I it's way better than the Osprey. Like the Osprey that's a fine, fine logo to start off with when they started the team in the late nineties, early two thousands, it ran its course, right? Yeah. It's not like it's really cool. It's not like the Osprey is a really cool animal. It's a kind of unspectacular bird. Yeah, it's fine. The, the coolest part about it is when you see one in a nest, you're like, oh, it's a bald eagle. Yep. Nope. Like, oh, no, it's not. It's just an osprey. So uh, the only problem I had with with the paddle heads is I think it would have just been better to go moose and just be the Missoula moose. Um, Which is something that um, we had in the Slack. We wanted an NBA team yes. to come to Montana be the Montana moose. That's a that, that to me is – that's a great name. Montana moose. It's just – but it's it's minor league baseball, so you have to be a little quirky. Yeah, you got to be quirky. And Missoula Moose, it's kind of it's a little too. I don't know. It doesn't flow as well as like Montana Moose. But yeah, paddleheads, yeah. it's great. You're definitely gonna tell you what you're gonna sell a lot more gear with. It's a cool logo. Yeah. There's one that's a the state Montana outline with like a fish jumping in it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, people buy that. People, you know. If they've bought Osprey gear, they, they don't need any more. I, and I suspect no. nobody is buying Osprey gear anymore. And I would suspect that if you're like a tourist in Montana, in Missoula, maybe you came out of Glacier, you're in Missoula, your flight's the next day, you want to go catch a minor league game, you're going to buy a Paddleheads t-shirt over a Missoula Osprey t-shirt. You're going to go back to the East Coast and show all your friends, like, check out this cool Missoula Paddleheads yes. team that I saw. You're not taking back one of those old the Osprey with the weird Osprey on it. Like, you're just not doing that. So I think it's a great rebrand. It's going to get the casual person buying a shirt because they think it's cool. It's going to get the tourists buying the shirt, which is going to be pretty – they think it's going to be cool. So a good upgrade uh, for Missoula Pioneer League Baseball, in my opinion. How much do you think a pack of 12 golf balls 
with the LIU Sharks logo on its toss. <laughs> Take, don't look. Take a guess. Twelve golf balls. Twelve golf balls. Thirty-six dollars. Ninety-nine ninety-eight. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> a dozen golf balls for a hundred dollars. Yep. With that LIU Holy logo. Holy cow. Folks, we have uncovered the biggest scandal in education. Yeah. And athletics. Yeah. What a scam going down on LIU. Um, All right. Should we go to this coming week's games? Yeah. Well, first we're going to – we're going to kick it over to Montana Parlay. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Parlay. Don't forget about him. Just because he's such a Sac State homer that he thought that they were going to cover seven points. He loves them. He does. So we're going to kick it over to Montana Parley, who's going to give you his picks of the weeks uh, for week 11 here. So without further ado, Montana Parley. Welcome to another edition of Parley's Picks. I'm Montana Parley. Last week, a winning streak came to an end, both on Parley's Picks and for the Sacramento State Hornets. This week, we both look to get stronger. Let's start off in Missoula, where the Grizz are 17-point favorites against Idaho in the Little Brown Stein game. Do they get a drink out of the Stein after the game? I don't know. I haven't done any research on why it's called that. However, I do think that this is a stay away because the Grizz should match up well. They could blow Idaho out of the water. Idaho plays to their opponents and done, does well against their rivals, but does terribly on the road. A lot of factors in this game say stay away. So let's move on to Greeley, where the Bobcats travel to the cow pasture to take on Jacob Nip in northern Colorado. The Bobcats are 11.5 point favorites on the road, and I like the points. The last three times... MSU has traveled to Greeley. They've struggled to win by more than 10. Northern Colorado might be able to put up some points, and the Bobcats might struggle scoring in the long grass of Greeley. So let's put 20 minties on Northern Colorado plus 11 and a half. Bobcats win. Northern Colorado covers. Go home happy and prepare for UC Davis. That'll do it for this week's picks. I'm Montana Parlay. Good luck to all you gamblers out there. All right, thank you to Montana Parlay for his picks of the week. We are going to keep it our new traditional, and we are going to run through the games of Week 11, which are coming up this Saturday, October. Oh, we're in November. November, babe. Oh, November 9th is the is, is is the Saturday that we're looking at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the worst intro ever to this segment. But we're going to roll with it. And as we traditionally do, we're going to leave the two Montana teams for last. So we're going to go in order of game time. Every game this week starts within an hour and a half of each other. Mm -hmm. Eh, Two and a half hours of each other. We're going to start out with Sacramento State traveling to Northern Arizona. The Jay Lawrence walk-up Sky Dome, Sac State at Northern Arizona. I think, obviously, the biggest storyline of this game is 
is Kevin Thompson healthy? Yep. That's all you need to care about this game. They should. Sac State has proven that they are legit good, a legit team, not a fluky team. Um, and so they should dominate Northern Arizona. Granted, they have to go on the road. I don't know how they are going to travel there. I'll find out and tweet about it. It's my new obsession. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if they're busing, that could be a problem. But otherwise, they should they should. It's about this a game. ten hour bus ride, probably probably a twelve hour bus ride. Yeah, and Sac State not not affected by road at all. Um, their two road losses this year were at Arizona State, where they played Arizona State pretty tough, seven to nineteen, and then at Fresno State, where they were within a they were within two touchdowns of Fresno State. Their other road games uh, in the Big Sky at Montana State, which they obviously beat them thirty four twenty one, and then they went to Cal Poly and got them thirty eight to fourteen. So uh, at least in the Big Sky, undefeated on the road, they'll be going to Northern Arizona, the Sacramento. Minnesota State um, rushing offense right now, number 44 in the country with 1,509 rushing yards. They're going to be going up against that porous Northern Arizona rushing defense. Uh, so I, I don't think that they need Kevin Thompson in this game to win it, but we just hope he's healthy so that they can end the year with Kevin Thompson and kind of keep uh, keep their momentum going into the playoffs and represent the Big Side Conference. So hopefully he's back, but I do think even without him, uh, Sac State will be able to knock off uh, the Lumberjacks. Yeah, and I mean, you and I disagree on basically everything, uh, but the one thing we consistently agree on is we want everyone to stay healthy. We want the best players out on the field, and we want Kevin Thompson to be uh, out there, um, not only this game, but healthy through the playoffs, even if they have to play one of the Montana schools. I'd rather see him and beat you know full-strength Sac State team in the, in the playoffs. Um, it is Northern Arizona – Super, just a disappointing stretch for them. There's been an excuse every year we've been doing this podcast with injuries or with just something going wrong, usually an injury to Case Cookis, about you know why they are not performing up to the level we think they should. This year, they've been healthy and had a pretty you know, decent schedule. I mean, not a super easy schedule, but a, a very winnable schedule, and they've just shown that they are not a top-tier team. That they are firmly, just awful. they are the most average team in the Big Sky Conference. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah, and it's when you have a weapon like you do, like their receivers are good. They have a great quarterback, obviously, and then when you just have a defense that's just that bad, you're not going to win many games. Um, yeah, hundred and twenty fourth in yardage. Yeah, it's bad. It's it's almost like the Cats when they had Prukop and they couldn't stop anybody. So Prukop would have to, you know managed to put up 70 points with his offense because the defense wasn't going to hold anybody under 60. Uh, it's kind of like that, a little less extreme than that. I don't think Cookus is a is as – well, he's probably as dynamic as Prukop, but the defense is, is pretty bad, maybe not as bad as Montana State's from then. But it's one of those well, things where you have a really good offensive weapon, but you never get to really showcase it because your defense can't stop anybody. Yeah, he's leading the number one passing offense in all of FCS football, right? Like he is yeah, – Cookus is doing – everything that that you want him to um but here they are it's he can't super play disappointing yeah, yeah super disappointing so that game kicks off at that one is at uh 12 o'clock i'm sorry two o'clock mountain time the next game at the same exact time kicking off at two o'clock mountain time is north dakota traveling to weaver state is this a trap game for weaver state yeah, I mean North Dakota is is solid, right? So 
I think while I think Weber State is the best team in the conference, I think they're also beatable, right? Like I walking into a game, if if the Grizz were playing Weber State tomorrow, and granted they have them next week, like yeah, Grizz are probably the underdog, but they can win this game. Weber State has flaws in their game that can be exploited. So North Dakota, uh, they're they're right there with in terms of offense being pretty average compared to what you see across the country. But on the defense, they have a very very strong defense. Um, so yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, I guess the the one da- downside is is when you look at their defensive rankings, uh, North Dakota's defensive rankings, it is. They have a great passing defense. They do. Number five in the FCS. Uh, not a great, pretty average, I guess. We're slightly below average rushing defense. So uh, Weber State, I guess, should be able to run over the top of them. But I don't know. I I, I, I would not say this is a trap game. I, I like Weber State to win this. Uh, yeah, I have I a think, lot of confidence in saying that. Yeah, and I think Weber State wins this game, especially with it being um, at home. Uh, in Provo, Provo, Ogden, Provo or Ogden, 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 Ogden. in Ogden, <laughs> uh, the defense, Weber's defense, we know they're good. Their offense, that rushing offense, is number twenty nine in the in the FCS, and they're going to go against like a you know almost the number ninetieth ranked defense. And I know that doesn't mean you can't just compare that and say that the game's over, but uh, Weber State's running back situation with with uh, Davis, he's a He's a pretty amazing running back. I think he's going to be able to get his yards against uh, against North Dakota. I think this is a win for Weber, but um, obviously they're not going to look past anybody at this point in the season. I don't think they're a good team. They're not going to do that. This is going to be a tough game for them, I think. Um, but I think Weber does come out with the win uh, against North Dakota at home. Now, if it was in North Dakota, maybe it's a different story, but I think Weber gets this one. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, All right. Well, let me ask you this. Will you be watching this game? Yes, I, I am interested in this one. Um, I'm interested to see how Weber plays this week, knowing who they play the week after, um, traveling to Missoula uh, to yeah. play the Grizz. So I like to see this Weber team trying just to, to see if this is a team that can go into Washington Grizzly and knock them off. They're obviously a, a, a premier team right now in the FCS, the number three team in the country. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, you know they keep their heads down and get this game against the Hawks out of their way, knowing that Washington Grizzly and another game of the week uh, is upon them that next week. Yeah, well, I mean, if you talk to UC Davis, Eastern Washington, Montana State, Montana, and Sacramento State, sometimes being on top of the Big Sky Conference has not worked out well in 2019. So maybe that's factoring into Weber State being a little nervous about this game. I know that you will be rooting against, uh, rooting for North Dakota strongly, so then you can try to justify uh, that North Dakota win against the Cats a little bit better. Um, and try to cheapen uh, if if the Grizz end up beating Weber State two weeks from now. So I see True. what you're plotting. And, and I'm trying yeah. to see here. So if Weber can knock – okay, so if UND can knock off Weber, that gives Weber one conference loss. Weber goes to Missoula, knocks off the Grizz. And still get one. Uh, you know, I think we could all get the conference championship if Weber be, North Dakota beats <laughs> Weber, the Grizz then beat Weber, and then Montana State beats the Grizz. Yeah. That would get us. Everybody at two two conference losses. Yeah. Then someone then whoever plays tie. Weber in the last. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Big Side Conference <laughs> is really cool in the way they schedule stuff. We're looking at like a ten way tie for first and uh, one automatic buy. Yeah. Who is Weber's? 
last game. They're, so uh, Weber State rivalry. will finish the season. North is Dakota, it's... Montana, Idaho State. So Weber State would have to get beat basically by North Dakota and then Montana uh, to get those two two conference losses because there's no way they're losing to Idaho State. Yeah. Do you think Idaho and Idaho State will eventually move to the last game of the year for those two schools? It's weird that it's not. It's almost like it wasn't because Idaho, like remember last year during Cat Grizz, Idaho played Florida. So it's almost like Idaho's, it's almost like Idaho's conference that the non-conference games that they, that they agreed to when they were still in the FBS are still kind of rearing their heads and maybe they couldn't schedule Idaho, Idaho State the last game of the week. Uh, this year it is not the problem. They play Idaho plays Montana, Sac State, and Northern Arizona. So I don't know why. Maybe maybe going forward they'll move it to the last game of the week. I think that's the way you do it. Rivalry week. It just seems so weird. Like when Colorado and Colorado State begin their season with their rivalry game. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so odd. I don't get why. Like an in-state. Like I guess you and I just grew up knowing the Montana Montana State, and historically it always wasn't the last game of the season. But since you and I have been alive, basically, it has been. So it's always weird when you see two uh, intrastate rivals playing in the middle of the season yep totally um weird well five way tie for first place would be great so i wonder what <laughs> the how the tiebreaker would work just a big old two middle fingers to the commissioner for yeah. scheduling the way it is <laughs> then yep. you make him then what you do is you make him foot the bill for all the big sky championship rings yeah everybody gets one find like 200 championship rings yeah God. everyone would have to get one yeah, that is the way it would be done. Is if North Dakota beats Weber, then the Grizz beat Weber, and then Montana State beats the Grizz, we would Weber, Montana, and Montana State would all have uh, two conference losses. Then Sac State would actually have to lose to somebody like Davis at the end of the season. Do uh, which could happen? That could happen. Yeah, and that would be a four-way tie for first uh, in the Big Sky, and every single one of our teams would claim that conference championship and put it on our scoreboards and around the stadium for sure. Definitely. Well, in Eastern, <laughs> Eastern only has two conference losses too, so we could oh maybe God. get them. Maybe get Holy them. Shit, here. you could because Eastern <laughs> Washington ends the season. <laughs> Eastern Washington ends the season with Cal Poly, Idaho State, Cal Poly, Portland State, who have nothing going on at the top oh, of the yeah. leaderboard. So Eastern Washington, at currently four and five, yeah, could take a share of the conference title. Yep, just shoot this directly into They're my. There literally veins. could be five conference oh. a legit and and this is not so far out of the question that there's could no, happen there's no major upset that needs to occur right like the made the, the biggest upset is und over weber this week yep yeah all right well now we know who we're rooting for oh hell yeah UND, anyone who's not I, happy if und beats weber this week i will be rooting for the grizz to beat weber next week i love it all right mark it down holy crap we thought that game was nothing i'm gonna be watching that game on pluto at two o'clock on Saturday, because we need this. We need this just for the full entertainment value of having five teams tie for first. Yes. That's over a third of the conference. If we can make this happen (laughs) over a third of the conference, make it happen. Come on, Weber. Weber's going to have to take a major step back for this to happen, but But. maybe it's Rob fantasy. Maybe, maybe fantasy gets the win at the end of the year over them. And he True. saves the whole thing from happening. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's pretty cool right. when you're pretty cool when your conference has the potential for five champions. Yep. Um All right, so the next game kicking off at 205 Mountain Time. We have UC Davis traveling to Portland State. Um 
we used to spend a lot more time checking out UC Davis games before they kind of came back down to earth. Davis is two and three in the conference right now, four and five overall. Just a pretty blah year, I guess you could say. Yeah. They were on a bye week last week, gave them a little break after that 16-point loss to Weber State. Um, Such a weird season for Davis. They get Portland State. They go to Portland State. It's a game that maybe I would have watched if we were talking about in the offseason. I would have just checked out to see how Davis was playing because the Cats get them uh, the next week. But probably not even going to watch this game. Not even going to care about it. And just a weird way to look at UC Davis this late into the season. Yeah, under the UC Davis, they, they, again, they don't have a bad, a bad loss, and they don't have a great win on their schedule. Four and is this, five this is the most vanilla season I can remember of a team. Like you're right, like nothing that you look at, and you're like, holy. I mean, forty-five to twenty to Montana, you would have thought that would have been a closer game, maybe. Um, but yeah, just yeah. But all their losses, though, are and we talked about this last week because they're yeah. going to buy this past week. All their losses are against teams that are currently in the top ten, and North Dakota, who we've talked about, is like and they're not they're twenty-two or something like that. Yeah. yeah, all of them to ranked teams, currently ranked teams, not at the time, but currently ranked teams for sure. Yeah, so I mean, you if you're a Such good a team, weird, you should probably weird. win a couple of those. But yeah, just a um, weird season for them. Yeah, and they end and the season it. like I, I don't, I'm fine with them not being. Oh, I don't care in a row. I, I like, like Jake Mayermeyer. I liked him. I like them, but it's yeah. You know, we don't need them and Sac State being good this year. Let's just Only have one, one Sacramento California area team. team, please. Yeah, one California team at a time. And so UC Davis, they get at Portland State, and then a, a very big matchup um, at home against Montana State um, on the 16th. Uh, I'll be at that game for sure. Um, nice. So that'll be a fun one. And then they end with the Causeway Classic, uh, their rivalry game played at the right time on rivalry week uh, in the big sky. So they'll play Sac- they'll, they'll host, or actually they're going to Sacramento state this year uh, to play the Hornets about a 40 minute drive from Davis over to that stadium, 30 minutes maybe. But so they, they get this game. They should beat Portland state. They have two very tough games to, to close out the year. Um, currently, currently right now, like we said, they're two and three in the conference. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're two or, uh, they're four and five overall. I mean, they could win these next three games and technically get to seven wins. I just don't see them being a playoff team right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they've shown nothing to be excited about. Um, but a lot of teams get into the playoffs. As we learn every week with the polls, a lot of voters don't pay a heck of a lot of attention to the entire FCS. They focus on their conference and then, you know, just kind of have these predetermined narratives in their brain. So if you see Davis somehow does get up to seven wins. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're a sexy game, I guess right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dan Hawkins. He's turned that program around. Like that's something most reporters thought about over the summer. And that's probably the last time they thought about UC Davis, if they're covering one of these East coast teams. So um, I could see them sneaking. They have a better, better chance than Eastern Washington. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Eastern Washington, of. yeah, they uh, they only have three FCS wins. Yeah, so Eastern's they are they're so out. They're done. So, yeah. Speaking of, Eastern Washington is traveling to the newly crowned bottom of the Big Sky, in my opinion, Idaho State. It's a two thirty five Mountain Time kickoff. It's in Pocatello. Uh, no reason to think that this game won't be seventy to thirty Eastern Washington, right? 
Yeah, that sounds right. So Eastern Washington currently, they have the number one offense in the country in yards, number four passing offense, number three rushing offense. They're putting up 38 points a game, which is number nine in the country. Holy moly. 43 touchdowns, fourth in the country. That offense is just a well-oiled machine. That sputtered, definitely sputtered against Montana. It wasn't kind of their normal week. Um, But there's, I mean, they're going to absolutely kill Idaho State. Best way to beat a good offense is with a good defense. That's what the Grizz showed. Um, But yeah, Idaho And Idaho Idaho State State has the number uh, 95 defense in the FCS. So number one offense versus the 95 defense, something has to give. (laughs) It's probably going to be the defense. Probably be the defense. (laughs) So yeah, this game I think is going to be fun. They don't have the line out yet. I was going to see if they had an over-under on this game to see, you know, points. If you were an odds maker right now, what would you put the over under on for combined points in this game? For combined points? Yeah. God. I don't know. 70? Maybe like 70. Yeah, for I was going to say 70? 72. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think they could, I think they've just put up 66 last week um against uh who did they play? Northern Arizona. Yeah, they just put up 66 against Northern Arizona. Now, Northern Arizona's defense is not good, but obviously neither is Idaho State. So one of the worst. They let Southern Utah score fifty nine points on them. Um, Southern Utah, the way they looked last week against the Cats, can score four fifty nine on you. On the uh, I don't the Eastern Washington can score seventy by themselves on you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if I seem distracted. The uh, the podcat has wandered into the room um, and is threatening to jump onto the desk where I'm recording and is meowing in the background. So if you hear that, my apologies. Um, and if you hear a giant crash here momentarily, you know that, uh, you know what happened. So sorry for that, but no, Eastern Washington going to dominate this game. Yes. That, that, that's about the all you need on this says, one. Podcast, podcast says, says Eastern Washington. All right. So those are, are the games that don't concern Montana schools. They do concern them, I guess, in the long run when you look at the conference and all that stuff, but it does not include one of them in the game. Let's start first with Montana State and Northern Colorado because that's the earliest kickoff. That'll be at noon mountain time from Greeley, Colorado. Just saying Greeley is kind of boring. Yeah. Talk about something that needs a rebrand. The city of Greeley just needs to yeah. change their name. Shark, Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> something. Moosehead, Colorado, something. <laughs> um, so Montana State <laughs> travels to Greeley. Now, if you remember, the last time Montana State played on a natural grass field, had a very good first three quarters, couldn't close the game out, and went to overtime. I really hope it's not the same as we go to the only other natural grass field in the Big Sky Conference. Well, in terms of yards per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards – points per game touchdowns allowed uh they are ranked unc is ranked a hundred or worse in all of those categories they their their defensive rankings are actually not that much farther off than liu cw post for real and that's not even a joke like they are if they aren't as bad as liu's they are one position in front of them yeah on the defensive side yeah it'd be fun to see those two schools play oh i would watch that honestly Hold on. Podcast just podcast screwed up just... this whole podcast. God damn it. <laughs> Get him out of the room. Get out of here. All right. 
Very, very good cat, but a huge pain in the ass. So, Montana State, this is, I mean, they... When you looked at this schedule that Montana State had entering this season, it was way easier on paper than in, than the season. I mean, we were looking at Sacramento State being an easy win, UND being an easy win. Then you get to the, finally you get to the Southern Utah, which was an easy win, and you have to hope that Northern Colorado is just as easy as that Southern Utah game last week. I think Cho, head coach Jeff Cho, is going to have his guys ready to come out and do the same thing they did against Southern Utah. He has to keep that swagger. That was something that Montana State had when they were playing those bottom-dwelling schools like um, uh, Norfolk State yep. and Wagner. He has to get that swagger back into his team. I think they did in that first half against Southern Utah, at least on the defensive side. You could just see those guys flying around and having fun playing ball again. You have to hope that Choate has them doing the same thing against Northern Colorado. And you just pray to the football gods that Tucker Rovig can look like a serviceable quarterback against the number 125 out of 126 defense in the FCS. Well, if he can't, that is a big-time problem. <laughs> well, there's a lot of big-time problems anyway at the quarterback position, but just please, God, don't embarrass yourself against Northern Colorado uh, this way. Yeah, please. well, he, in two weeks, will be going against the 122nd-ranked uh, passing defense in Montana, so... If Rovig can't look good over these next three weeks, he is probably just not the guy. Yeah, and I think you go a heavy dose of run in this game with your healthy running backs. Uh, Isaiah Fonse didn't play last week against uh, Southern Utah. Troy had only that one carry. Uh, Lane Sumner held it down for the uh, the Montana uh, State rushing attack. The Bears are the 107th rushing defense. So I think Montana State probably a heavy dose of their running back rotation. Uh, try not to burn any red shirts. I think uh, Hosey has played in two or three games. I don't know if you want to give him a game against Northern Colorado and burn his uh, freshman year if you're trying to save him. But, uh, yeah, there's not – I mean, this is it's kind of a boring two-game stretch for Montana State if you're looking at it for like a – you know, a, for an apprehension or nervousness scale. Yeah. Going into the game, like you don't have those butterflies like you did against Southeast Missouri State or even going into that Sacramento State game. Um, especially not the, the, the way the Cats end their season with two fantastic games, one against Davis and then obviously the brawl. Uh, so kind of a two-week lull, if you will, yep. to lead that's up to not, that Davis you know, game. That is not the, that's not on the Cats for like making their schedule easy. This is determined by the Big Sky Conference. And when you, you know, it's enjoy these years when you have them. The, the Grizz went into the year with the opposite, right? They yeah. went in with, with what looked like a killer schedule, and it, it has been. Um, but luckily for us, even though Sac State got very good, uh, Eastern and UC Davis kind of dropped off. Yeah, they kind of and, took a step back. Yeah, but it, you just can't control it. So enjoy these games. If we have to have these awful schools in our conference, we might as well get a couple FCS wins out of them and boost True. up the the playoff resume. Yeah, we have them. If we, yeah, if they're not going to bring fans to the stadium, they're going to have some of the shittiest facilities. You might as well get your FCS wins, get your playoff money. Um. Yeah, you're right. You take advantage of the the teams that aren't putting any putting any momentum in their program. Yeah, this is this is what you do for us. This is what we need. And I, I'm I'm going to be uh, did some company business last week uh, when we were on here. Uh, this week you emailed or you texted me. It's like, do we have any any uh, uh, interviews. interviews for this week? And I was like, nope. Sorry, sorry, man, we don't. I just remembered 
I did interview Jacob Nip and uh, quarterback for Northern Colorado and Luke Nelson, linebacker. We had a nice long conversation about uh, Brock Osweiler because Jacob's from the Denver area. So we'll play that again at the end of the end of the podcast. <laughs> there we go. Uh, as you can see, our preparation is rivaled by nobody and probably in the bad sense of it. Yeah. Of, of, had a, of had a great interview. Had a great interview with Ernest Collins um, at the media days as well. Uh, super nice guy. I see why everyone likes him so much. And that was the first time I used the new microphone and it didn't work. So uh, that, <laughs> sorry, sorry, coach Collins. Uh, so. Thanks for the interview, but we cannot play it because it, didn't actually record any sound. Yeah. So guaranteed win. I think both of us would say Montana state going to another Colorado. Um, yes. I do remember one year cats went into Greeley. I think they were ranked and they lost. That was drawbash years, but I don't think that happens this week. I think Cho gets them ready for the game. So there is that. And then we come to <laughs> kind of the collision of our, our two, two worlds. The one where we actually, you know, care about and talk about Montana and the team that we talk probably the most shit about, and they're the weirdest team in the big sky in Idaho. So the Vandals traveling to Washington Grizzly this weekend at a 1 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff. Idaho yep. and Montana. What's your initial thoughts on this matchup? I mean, Idaho zigs when everyone expects they're going to zag. <laughs> and I am terrified to make any type of prediction with this game. I mean, I think the line opened uh, – parlay sent it to the group i think it opened at uh 17 grizz are favored by 17 that's probably like a fair line they're at home this is a pretty bad team they're playing but i'm not going to feel confident at all about this game right like i just i cannot yeah. feel confident would, um with, with idaho like i felt pretty confident felt, against portland state but idaho is just such a wild card would you have felt less confident in this game, if Idaho would have kept with our narrative of Petrino just trying to screw with everybody, if they would have lost to Cal Poly, would you be more nervous for this game? Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, the one, a couple things that stand out. Uh, one, I think it is impossible, virtually impossible, that this Idaho team can win three consecutive games. Right? That just seems very, very unlikely. Uh, two, if they win this game, it would put them at 500. That also just seems to be uh, very unlikely. And Idaho has struggled big time on the road. They've lost 10 straight road games. They're 0-4 this year. Those four <laughs> four uh, losses are some of the, the funniest losses. They're four road losses this year. Of course, at Penn State when they lost by 72 points, 79-7. Mm -hmm. Uh they almost win at FBS Wyoming, where they only lost by five, and then there are two losses, uh, at one at Northern Colorado, and then one when they got shut out at Portland State. So, on the road, they tend to do very, very funny things. They're four and one at home, zero oh and four on the road. <laughs> Washington Grizzly Stadium is as tough of a venue to play in, um, besides, I guess, uh, Happy Valley. Um, but yeah, who the, who the heck knows? Does Paul Petrino want to win this game? Uh, I think he does. I think this is one that he really wants to. It's it's that I really wish they would have lost to Cal Poly. I really, yes. really do because it would have just set this game up for so many more things. But, yeah, this is one of those games that he 
probably everybody, even in Idaho, is like, yeah, we have no chance to win this. And then he's going to come out, prove them wrong, and then probably drop like their next – what is he? They, Idaho, after this game, they play Sac State, Northern Arizona. He's probably going to beat Montana, beat Sac State, and then Northern Arizona is going to beat them like 66 to nothing to end the season. And everybody is going to be left wondering what the hell happened Yeah, in 2019. I really yeah. think he, he's going for mass confusion. He doesn't. He wants them to think: Do we fire him and give him the rest of his millions of dollars? Do we retain him because he beat Montana and Sac State and Idaho State and Eastern Washington? Like he's just trying to screw with everybody in Idaho. Yeah, he <laughs> like a Petrino will. Those Petrinos are wily boys. Yeah. Yep. Got to keep them close. Whether a Petrino's at Louisville, whether he a Petrino's in Idaho, you never know what a Petrino's going to do. Yep, he is that, his, is that his brother? I think so. Bobby Petrino? I'm pretty sure. Fairly certain Bobby Petrino is uh Paul Petrino's brother. Yeah. When Paul was a player, Bobby was the offensive coordinator. This is all Yes. I believe they're brothers. Crazy. Those Petrinos, man. Yeah. Those Butte, those Butte boys. Do you know Paul Petrino went to Helena Capital? No, I knew he was from Butte. Yeah, born in Butte, went to Helena Capital, played college ball at Carroll College. He played quarterback at Carroll. This is probably stuff that people. Do you know that Bobby Petrino was from Lewistown, Montana? No. I, I, I assumed from Montana somewhere. I did not know Lewistown. Yeah, me either. And that he played quarterback at Carroll. I think I knew that, but weird. Weird. He's a Bobby Petrino Jr. too. Do you know that? <laughs> is he quarterbacking at a school that his father no, is? No, but when coaching? you look for like I just obviously just typed in Bobby Petrino, or I clicked on Bobby Petrino Jr. as a link off of the Bobby Petrino Sr. Or the Bobby, who the fuck, that's how I got here. But either way, there was images for Bobby Petrino Jr. And the first two are one him posing with looks like maybe the Louisville Skyline. I have no idea what the Louisville Skyline looks like. I'm just assuming with like a pug dog in his lap. And the next one is him basically making out with the pug uh, nice. in front of that same skyline. Perfect. That's it, it was the Louisville Skyline. Good, good eye, man. Oh, no. Um... I don't, yeah. I don't, what was that? Oh, no, that one's, that one's for off. I'll tell you offline. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. This is, everybody's going to be like tweeting us. What were you, what is it? What were you saying? Oh, no about, well, yeah. if you've got this far in the podcast, you know, just tweet me and I'll actually tell you probably. Yeah. God bless you for making it. God bless if you made it through this. Yeah. I just, is I there anything else you want to talk about this game? We, that was a rabbit no. hole. Yeah. All the Grizz previews and uh, you know just go to the grizz fan podcast i have some okay. thoughts on them but so the only much better the only question i have for you is who is leading at halftime if you want i mean honestly if i'm looking at this game i i think montana wins this game so like yeah. as much as we joke about idaho we hope they do and it'd be the narrative and everything i think montana wins this game but a real question for you is who is leading at halftime i would say the grizz are winning 17 to 7 at halftime Okay, so you're going into this one thinking they're going to get that first half turned around. They're going to go in and dominate and just kind of control the game from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I again, I just don't have a good feel for Idaho. They'll maybe they'll be winning forty-two to zero. Like I, I Who like knows? the Grizz. The if this was just random team with Idaho stats, I'd be like, oh, the Grizz are going to win this game. They're going to be winning at halftime. Um, not worried about it at all at home. But Idaho is just this weird vortex of karma and weird wins and bad losses. So I don't know. Uh, I feel like I feel like uh, Coach Houck probably has circled that Penn State score and is like, let's try to beat it. I could Let's see try that. to win by seven. That would be that would points. be his mo for sure. Yeah, but yeah, man, I I don't know. I'm worried about it. What do you think? What's your prediction in the score? Ooh, seventeen seventeen at halftime. Okay, what's the final uh, score? Forty two seventeen. Eighty seven seventeen. Yeah, I mean it's um, gonna be something like that. That would be awesome. This game's yeah. on Root Sports, so. Uh, plan accordingly. Plan accordingly. Um, so, do we have anything for our watch party this week? We do. Um, Alex Singleton playing mostly special teams right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely blew up a Chicago Bears return man on Sunday. A 22-14 win for the Eagles. He is now two and one in his NFL career. Two total. Uh, two total tackles. But really only playing special teams right now. I think he should get a shot to play linebacker. But that's why, you know, there's not much special teams tackling left in the, in the NFL, whether it's the fair catch or the touchback rule. So yeah. um, he absolutely lit the Bears return man up, though. So it was a pretty pretty legit tackle for Alex Singleton. So he's still up there on the on the main team, on the, on the Philadelphia Eagles travel team, game team, whatever you want to call it. So pretty cool to still see him up there. He tweets out some cool stuff, you know, his locker with his, you know, helmet and shoulder pads. So – Pretty cool to have a, a guy like that uh, up in the league, and he got his tackle this week. Did you have anything for your watch party members? No, nothing for Brock, nothing for Houston. Um, and I don't want to talk about Bob Stitt because we already talked about him earlier in the podcast. So we'll check in with him in Texas State next week. All right, so now it is time in what seems to be because our preparation has started to wane here at the end of the season, the interview with – Jacob Nip, yep, and Luke Nelson, and Luke Nelson from the UNC Bears. So that is Enjoy everything for it. Bear Tycoon and me, and we are going to kick it to the interview. We yep. love you all. We will talk to you next week. See you next week. See ya. We are joined now by Jacob Nip, quarterback, and Luke Nelson, linebacker from Northern Colorado. Fellas, we're talking in July. Uh, you have a game against the Bobcats coming up in November. That's obviously a long ways away. It looks like you have about nine or ten games before then. Kind of where your season went last year, what's been going on in spring ball and the off season. where do you expect yourself to be kind of middle of the season? How, how, how are you feeling overall about the team? Um, I think right now, we're, with what we've put in in the offseason, we're in a good spot. We have a lot of new faces coming in, a new offensive coordinator. So right now we're just focusing on you know, kind of putting all these new moving pieces together and seeing what that's going to look like in the fall. Um, and like you said, we will, we'll play Montana State later on in the season. So by then, hopefully we'll, uh, our offense will be completely together and we'll be pushing the pace, up-tempo, and um, you know, putting up some big points every single week. 
And Luke, you guys had a lot of losses on defense coming into this year. How are you all preparing uh, coming into 2019 season? You know, we lost a lot of starters, but one of the things that we was great about last year is a lot of guys got experience. So it's not like we're bringing back guys who have no experience playing, anything like that. Um, a lot of the guys who will be starting or a lot of the guys who will be playing have already gotten game experience. They've already played in games. Um, so that's that's a valuable thing to have. And I know a lot of the guys who a lot of the guys who started are gone, but a lot of the guys we're bringing back, you know, they have that experience to where they're going to be able to, the speed of the game is not going to just hit them just like that. You know, they're going to be able to come in a game and, you know, they'll be okay. So. So obviously last year didn't go as planned. Uh, it was a tough season for UNC. Coming into this year, you have a, a tough out-of-conference schedule. Um, and, I mean, hats off to, to you all. There's some teams that load up on cupcakes. You guys go at FBS San Jose State, at Washington State, uh, and have a home game against South Dakota. You also have a non-conference game against Sacramento State. Uh, as a player, these two FBS games, especially, I, I suppose, this Washington State game on September 7th, when you're going in as such a heavy underdog, what is like? What is your goal going into that game, and how do you prepare going into a game like that? Uh, you kind of just got to prepare the same. Um, at the end of the day, they're they're college football players as well, and um, you just got to focus on yourself. You can't really worry about what the other team's going to do. Obviously, you got to study them and know what they're going to come at you scheme-wise and personnel-wise. But um, you can't go out there and act like the stage is too big. You got to go out there and know that you belong and we've played big FBS teams before and we've fared pretty well so we're looking forward to the opportunity and we're going to go out and give them everything we got. Luke is that same on the defensive side? Yeah uh, defensively you know every every game comes with a different game plan different different keys uh, every offense has a different wrinkle to it um, but we you know we prepared it's another game for us and so we're going to go in we're going to be you know focused on that game we're not going to be looking ahead to the next week anything like that just Focus on that game, focus on executing our game plan, and see what happens. Uh, Big Sky, obviously, 13 teams. It can be a crowded field. Colorado's got a lot of good football schools in there. Uh, when you're t when there's recruits coming through to the school, considering being a, a Bear, what is your sell to them on why they should join uh, UNC's football program? And, Luke, let's uh, start with you. Uh, you know, I would just say the culture. Um, it's something that's unique about UNC is the culture we built there. Um, it's different than anything I've ever been a part of, and I can say, you know, if 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 I was a recruit, that's one of the things I would look for is what's the culture there, what's going to be like for the four or five years that I'm there, uh, and the culture there is it's something special, man. I, I love it a lot. Uh, Jacob, I think for me, just what I felt when I was getting recruited to UNC was just how much everybody cares, and that goes from coaches all the way down to your professors. Everybody like truly is invested in you as a in a person rather than just a football player, and they set you up for you know your career after football, whenever that is the end. Um, and it just felt like everybody truly cared what you wanted to do and, and who you are as a person. And I think when recruits come in, they can feel that from coaches all the way down to whoever. Uh, so we uh, Montana Focus podcast. I'm a huge Broncos fan. You guys are both Colorado. You grow up Broncos fans? No? I'm a, I'm a Raider fan. Okay, well, so, so you're the worst person in the Big Sky Conference. Um, Jacob, I guess this question is good for you. We have a running uh, segment on our podcast where we track Brock Osweiler, who's a fellow Montanan uh, like me. Give me your 30-second thoughts on Brock Osweiler in Denver when he was there and also kind of how his career has played out. It's been interesting. You know, he, he was in an interesting situation, and he came in originally and did really well. Um, granted, we also had the best defense in the league at the time. Um, that helped a lot. But he came in and filled the role, 
great. He came in, we got a, a great playoff spot, and he played in uh, – Definitely helped us get to where we needed to be, and he was a big part of that whole run. Um, so I think he did a great job, and he landed a, a huge contract with the Texans because of it. And the whole way that shook up and then came back to Denver and then to Miami, like it's kind of a crazy road for him. But um, that, that year he was with Denver, like he definitely helped us a lot, and he made a lot of money because of it. Yeah, I was glad he made a lot of money. I was also glad the Broncos were not the ones paying him the money. <laughs> Fellas, good luck this season, and thanks for taking the time.